What's up, y'all? I got a dance deal for you, Chicago. Hubbard Street Dance heats up the Harris Theater stage with its spring series of joy next week. Now, this is some of the most dynamic, cutting-edge contemporary dance made by the world's leading choreographers right here in Chicago. I'm excited for Echoes of Our Ancestors by Maria Torres, among other creators. But you can only catch it for three performances between May 17th and May 19th. Luckily, CityCast Chicago listeners can get tickets in any section for 20% off using code CityCast online or over the phone. Visit HubbardStreetDance.com for details and use code CityCast. Today on CityCast Chicago, it's been three years since the first COVID shutdowns hit Illinois. I'm joined by lead producer Carrie Shepard and producer Simone Alisea as we talk about what's changed and what hasn't. Plus, with early voting now open in the April 4th election, we got to look at some aldermanic runoffs worth watching. It's Tuesday, March 21st. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is What Chicago's Talking About. Three years ago today, Illinoisans were ordered to stay at home as COVID-19 swept through the world. And let's be real, most of us thought maybe two or three weeks tops, but oh, were we wrong. We're all still truly feeling the effects of those early days. Carrie, before the pandemic, I didn't even know you existed. And now we are <laughs> we are thick as thieves. Uh, what feels different and what feels the same a thousand days later? Yeah, well, that feels different in a good way. Um, I agree. I didn't. I didn't know you either, Jacoby. Um, you know, I was downtown actually this weekend. I went to a movie on Saturday and went to dinner after, and I realized it was um, maybe only my second movie in three years in a movie mm. theater. Uh, it was fairly. It was fairly busy, and maybe like half of us masked up, half of us not. Um, Walking around at that time, it was like late afternoon. You know, there were a lot of, there were tourists out. This is like Central Loop. So we were at the Gene Siskel. So it's like state and lake. There were, you know, definitely, there were, you know, definitely tourists out, tourists walking around. It was cold as hell too. So that could have kept some people away. But then as we walked um, west toward the river to go to dinner, and this is kind of common even before the pandemic in the Loop, as you get kind of in the financial district, you see fewer people because it is so much a kind of Monday through Friday area. And a lot of restaurants and stuff in that area, especially like lunch places, they don't even open on the weekends because they don't have, um, they just don't have the clientele, right? But it did make me think a lot. And we, the three of us have talked about this before. Like we do have these little pockets in the loop of like local family owned businesses. Like I was like, oh, there's, there's that tailor and there's, you know, there's this shop and it, you know, and like, how are these people surviving? If fewer people are going to work Monday through Friday in the loop. And then I saw this Sun Times article um, on Monday, and this was all sort of essentially about that, how, you know, Chicago businesses are adapting three years after shutdown. And there were some profiles of some businesses and how um, how they've kind of changed their model. Obviously doing, uh, there was eight Atlas stationers um, 
is the stationery mm-hmm. store and they sell, sell fountain pens and stuff. They move some of their business online. But then there are other places that just like maybe don't have that option. And so they're still kind of crawling out trying to get that, you know, that foot traffic they rely on. I'm not going to lie. I still feel a small amount of guilt at just how much more outside I've been. And it depends where I'm at. So I've like started going back to movies. I've started going back to theaters. But over the weekend, obviously, you know, we're two years since we lost launched the podcast. And our first episode was about what are people doing for St. Patrick's Day? And now I'm out celebrating St. Patrick's Day with my friends on a birthday bar crawl. And at one point during maybe the second or third bar, that sort of guilt just washed over me. Because when you're standing shoulder to shoulder next to people, you can't, at least I can't help but think like, I mean, we're not out of the pandemic. Some of the people are masked up here. But then I'm thinking like, but I do want to patronage these these you know, these bars, these theaters, these these restaurants I haven't been able to go to because I know they've got their own COVID story. And so I'm just sort of washed over with this, like, what's the best decision? Like, what decision should I be making right now? And and even still, I don't I never know if I'm making the right decision, not only for my health, but the health of my family, the health of my friends. And so, uh, Simone, of course, like I just said, you know, COVID hasn't gone away. What do some of those numbers look like at this point? And, and what have we learned? Yeah, it's interesting. It's been so long, I feel like, since we talked about the numbers, right? Back in, in March of 2020, mm-hmm. in those early months, that was an everyday occurrence. You're sitting there looking at those bar graphs, looking at how many infections, how many deaths, what is happening right now in Illinois. Um, three years on. You was getting like a Facebook live from the public yeah. health office every couple of days. Every couple, well, and even for, you know, the, that whole year, every week even uh, at least. Um, y- what we, Here's what we know now. Nearly 37,000 people have died from COVID-19 in Illinois. Um, and that <sighs> with more than 4 million confirmed infections. And that's probably an undercount because it doesn't count like at-home tests or, um, you know, people who just do been undiagnosed. Um, the good news in those numbers, those are awful numbers. We don't like to, we don't like to hear any of that. The good news is in that is, you know, we went from 150 COVID deaths per day in late 2020 to fewer than 10 now to about nine daily deaths per day. Um, in the aggregate, we're seeing disparities. You know, we heard so much in 2020 and 2021 about the way that COVID disproportionately affected, uh, Latino and black residents across Illinois, in the aggregate, those disparities are also declining. Of course, you get down to the neighborhood level, that starts to change a little bit, but but in the aggregate, things are looking good. Um, you know, and uh, Dr. Artie Barnes with the state health department said that, uh, you know, after the Omicron surge of late 2021, which really, really threatened to overwhelm our healthcare system, which that was the, remember, that was the big thing, flatten the wave, we don't want to overwhelm the mm-hmm. hospitals. After that, um, it looks like we're at a point where this virus, the way it's affecting people, we're seeing fewer hospitalizations, fewer deaths, which me- also means that our healthcare systems are navigating this in a way with less pressure and that kind of thing. Um, so that's kind of the good news three years out. I think the bad news mm-hmm. is we're still talking about this. <laughs> um, we're still having this conversation. <laughs> And not only we're still having this conversation, but it's in some ways it's turned. So there are still people dealing with the symptoms from long COVID, Mm -hmm. right? We talk about businesses. There are some businesses that not only did they not get to open back up, but they, you know, they've closed down for good. And so 
if you're someone who's listening, we'd love to hear how you're dealing with things three years since the start of the pandemic. Please feel free to leave us a text or a voicemail at 773-780-0246. Uh, we want to continue to hear your stories on how the pandemic has and continues to impact you, you and your family. Are you self-conscious about your smile? Do you only allow yourself a closed mouth grin? Well, with Aligner Experts, there's no reason for you to diminish your smile. As orthodontists, they have the privilege of witnessing the remarkable transformation of patient smiles, which often translates into a profound boost in their confidence. Yet, there always seems to be a deterrent. I ain't got the time, I don't have the funds. Luckily, Aligner Experts is redefining convenient and accessible clear aligner solutions. With customizable treatments, transparent pricing, and their cutting edge 3D scanners and dental monitoring technology, you can transform your smile through the convenience of your own schedule. Stop in at their West Loop or Lakeview Clinic today for your complimentary smile assessment. Aligner Experts your destination for advanced clear aligner solutions. P.S. They got another clinic on the way, so stay tuned for their Old Town location. As we all know, we are just a couple of weeks away from finishing out our election season with our runoff. And it's not just all the mayor's race. We have 14 wards that are going to be seeing runoff races for their alders. Now, most of these are for open seats, but we're going to focus on races where incumbents could be reelected or lose their jobs come April 4th. Simone, can you catch up with what's happening in the 45th ward on the northwest side? Arguably one of the spiciest wards we've got. <laughs> yes, certainly something that longtime listeners of City Cash Chicago and even short term listeners of City Cash Chicago uh, will be familiar with. We, we talk about this ward a lot. Um, just to kind of recap why we talk about this ward, the incumbent Jim Gardner uh, facing just a bevy of allegations, everything from harassment and intimidation to even bribery um, being investigated by several different entities. Uh, and this was a really, really close race. Um, you know, there the results were kind of in flux as mail-in ballots were coming in and Gardner nearly avoided a runoff um, but in the end, after uh, results, the final results came out last week, ended up with only 48% of the vote. He now faces attorney Megan Matthias uh, in, in, on April 4. And um, yeah, going to be really interesting to see how, how he, you know, obviously he did really, really well despite these allegations, despite kind of these controversies. Um, but, you know, in a head to head race, will, you know, will that translate um, or, you know, we're already seeing some of the supporters of some of the other candidates in that race, you know, coalesce behind Matthias. I think there is certainly a push for for change in that ward. So, yeah, definitely one we're going to watch for sure. I don't want to stay here too long, but I have to ask you, Simone, as much coverage as we've put on this race, which is much coverage as we've seen our friends put on with every with all these allegations from harassment and intimidation to even the the sort of the what some of his supporters have done to others running their car into people's flower beds are you shocked that the race was this close this is my first municipal election in chicago that i'm covering as a reporter <laughs> um so it may not shock you to know that i was a little surprised i think 
I think I would have, I didn't expect him to do quite so well. I certainly expected him to make a runoff, uh, but that it was this close mm-hmm. and we really had to wait for those mail-in ballots, which again, just goes to show you, your vote matters, even if you turn it in, like even if you're turning it in by mail, even if you're turning <laughs> it in on election day, uh, your vote matters. Yeah. Voters in the 29th ward on the far west side will also see a runoff. Uh, C. Shep, can you get in there? Who's running there in the 29th? Sure. So this is the incumbent Chris Talia Farrow, and he is running against community organizer C.B. Johnson. And to be clear, the 29th ward, this includes the you know west far west side of the city. So Austin and going Belmont, Cragen, Galewood, Dunning, Mount Clare. Um, and Chris Taliaferro, the incumbent, is a was a Mayor Lightfoot backer, including endorsing her for a second term, um, and is a chair of you know the Public Safety Committee. CB Johnson, um, and this race is so close. This is like basically like fewer. This is like a couple dozen votes. Okay, as Simone is saying, like your vote matters. This is so close. Community organizer CB Johnson. Um, has worked with, uh, I think, drug awareness, drug prevention in the area, um, is challenging Talia Farrow. Staying with you, Carrie, there's also a runoff in another West Side Ward that spans, well, you know, a lot of neighborhoods. We know how a ward map is drawn. Can you tell us about this long stretch, a.k.a. the 36? I can, and I can tell you that I get a lot of mailers because I live <laughs> in the 36, and we get a lot of mailers. So the 36 is this weird, like, snake-like thing that is going from... All the way from like West Town, Ukrainian Village, Humble Park, uh, where I am, all the way north up also to, I think, uh, Belmont Cragen. It's just this really skinny, weird. Um, it's basically just Grand weird. Avenue all the way up. It's just Grand <laughs> Avenue north, yeah. So um, the incumbent is Gilbert Viegas, and you may remember us talking about him here because he also ran for congressman um, last fall. And Viegas is facing Lori Torres Witt. And Viegas is sort of, uh, as I'm looking at this mailer, he is uh, jumping on. Wits, I guess, like backers of wits have said defund the police, abolish prisons. Um, and he's kind of saying, and he, however, wants to move um, the police district, which used to be closer and is now our, our district, off, our headquarters is very far away from where we are now. He's saying that maybe the rise in crime has to do with that, that the police headquarters is not close enough to the neighborhood. Um, so Viegas, like I said, incumbent ran unsuccessfully for congressman, uh, facing Lori Torres Witt in the runoff. Yeah. Obviously, we're seeing this happen across races, but watching people uh, sort of get into the the defund, fund, police Mm -hmm. sort of Mm -hmm. bastardized conversation, obviously, is is politics for politics sake. Uh, But it's, it's really... I don't know, it's annoying to watch. It's really yeah, it's just watching mm-hmm. years and years of organizing work unfairly uh, snapshot in, the, in these small little talking points. It, it, it's ridiculous. But again, we're seeing it happen uh, across politics. And I, I'm interested to see where that conversation moves once we get out of election season uh, and people have to start passing budgets yep. and things. Um, Outgoing Mayor Lori Lifa appointed four new city council members last year. We were following this closely because it was happening all over the city, whether it was in Bridgeport, whether it was in North Lawndale, whether it was up in Uptown um, on the north side of the city. But those four city council members, you know, they did not get the head start they were hoping for. Simone, how did they fare in our election season? 
Yeah, right. You would think that having that appointment, having, uh, you know, in some cases, something like 10 months in office before the election uh, would would help you. Um, but they're not faring that well. One, uh, Annabella Barca lost outright in the 12th Ward on the southwest side. She lost in, in February to Julia Ramirez. And then the other three are all facing runoffs uh, here in April. Um, mm-hmm. Just a quick rundown of those races. That's uh, in the 11th Ward, Bridgeport, Chinatown area. We've talked about that on the show a lot. Nicole Lee faces police officer Anthony Ciara- Anthony Ciaravino. In the 43rd Ward in Lincoln Park on the north side, Timmy Knudsen faces neighborhood advocate Brian Comer. Uh, and the 24th Ward, which covers North Lawndale, a little bit of Little Village on the west side there, uh, Monique Scott faces business owner Creative Scott, who is not related to her, no relation to the Scots. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the race of the Scots. The race of yes. so many Scots in the 24th Ward, Monique. So many Scots. Monique Scott, of course, <laughs> taking that seat from her brother, uh, <laughs> when she was appointed to, to that race. Um, obviously, there's specific things happening in each of these wards, specific concerns residents in those wards have. But as a trend, when you look at these four candidates, um, the association with Lightfoot doesn't seem to be helping them. Maybe not that surprising, given that Lightfoot came in third as the incumbent, you know, the first incumbent in four decades uh, not to win a second term. Um so I don't think it's it's terribly surprising that that association didn't, you know, pull more weight uh, for for these four candidates. But we'll kind of be interesting to see, you know, can they can they overcome that? And again, what specific issues in those wards can they speak to um, to 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 win voters? I know people have been trying and some have not to have a nuanced conversation. And I want us to return to this after. But again, if you put this map. On our city, next to almost every other map of our city, there is a racial dynamic here that needs to be broken down. Um, And I know we will uh, have this conversation uh, moving forward. Early voting is now open across the city. If you have a runoff in your ward, you can help select the next alder person. And if you're still deciding between Brandon Johnson and Paul Vallis in the mayoral race, they'll both be debating on WGN tonight at 7. There's also a forum on Thursday in Austin. And we're interviewing candidate Brandon Johnson later this week, and we'll bring you that conversation next Monday. We have invited Paul Vallis onto the show as well, and that invitation remains good. I'm Carrie Shepard, lead producer of CityCast Chicago. In the many years of being a journalist in this city, I've heard and told all kinds of stories about people who work to make Chicago better, policies that help some but not all, and of course, the ugly stories that make us feel angry, hurt, and ashamed. But I'd never heard the story of Leonard Clark. Until I binged the new podcast, You Didn't See Nothing, from USG Audio and the Invisible Institute. In 1997, Leonard Clark was a 13-year-old black boy who was beaten into a coma by a gang of white teens. Johannes LaCour hosts You Didn't See Nothing, and he's here to tell you why you have to listen immediately to this podcast like I did recently. Hi, Johannes. Hey, Carrie. How you doing? 
I'm fine. Thank you for doing this. It's so nice to meet you and to listen to this podcast is just incredible. But let's start with the story of Leonard Clark. It's the 26th anniversary of this terrible event, March 21st, 1997. What happened to Leonard Clark on that day? That day, Leonard Clark traveled across an imaginary line in Chicago that separated the the all-black projects and stateway guards he was from, from the all-white, historically racist neighborhood of Bridgeport. His bike tire had a flat. And so he decided to, he was looking for air in the neighborhood of Bridgeport, which was across the expressway by design, think sundown town. When he got there, he was beaten into a coma by a gang of white young men. And that changed the course of his life. How was the media in Chicago and nationally covering this story? In the immediate hours and days after, they covered it responsibly. But shortly after that, the media coverage became about racial reconciliation, healing and forgiveness. And that was prompted more by the people. So many black so-called activists and leaders started to have a change of heart for reasons that the podcast dives into. And that that journalism then became very sloppy, irresponsible. I didn't discover how poorly it was being covered until I started covering it myself. How did you start your career in investigative journalism around this time? Well, after I heard about what happened, I had wanted to do something about it. I would have been a writer since I was a youngster. My father knew about a uh, small local newspaper that was also based in the projects and said, maybe you should try writing about it. I did that. I met a guy named Ron Carter at the South Street Journal who had an amazing network all throughout the South Side. He was able to put me on the ground with people who knew Lennard and his family personally. And that just opened it all up to me. And that, that, that just changed my life. 25 years later, what is the story you didn't see nothing trying to tell about Lennard Clark now? The You Didn't See Nothing isn't about Lennard Clark, the person right now, as much as it is about the fact that most Black folks are Lennard Clark. Most Black folks have been abused and injured by, you know, the white supremacist dynamics of this country in a way that has not been told. And so it's really about uh, the fact that there's still a lot of repair that is due. In addition to repairing what's been damaged, which is, you know, the the bodies and souls and minds of black folks, it's also about repairing a system so that we can prevent it. I feel like that's a lot of what we're hoping to get across in terms of the story of Lenard Clark, how relevant it still is today. You say the podcast is part investigation, part memoir. While doing You Didn't See Nothing, what did you learn about yourself, Johans? Wow, how much time we got. I learned a lot. (laughs) I learned a lot about uh, my own virtues and and flaws. Hmm. I I learned a lot about, uh, you know, how I look at the world. and, and And I learned a lot about why this particular story has stayed with me so much and why my passion for black folks and justice and my my need to root for the underdog has, has been so strong throughout my life. But it's been, yeah, it's been a hell of a journey that's included a lot of soul searching. 
the story of Leonard Clark and what was happening in Chicago at the time is such a compelling, amazing story. And Johans, you are really the perfect guide for it. Thank you. Johans LaCour is host of the podcast, You Didn't See Nothing. It's produced by USG Audio and the Invisible Institute, the producers of the 2020 Pulitzer finalist podcast, Somebody. You can binge all seven episodes like I did of You Didn't See Nothing now wherever you get your podcasts. Before I let you go, some good news to get you through. Join me tonight at G-Man Tavern in Wrigleyville, where I'll be performing alongside some of the best writers and storytellers in the city for the anniversary show of Write Club. I'll drop a ticket link for you in the show notes. As always, we appreciate you for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our daily newsletter, Hey Chicago, at chicago.citycast.fm. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. No, no, it used to be the ginger man. Ginger, what did it used to be called? Now that sounds weird, but I do think it was ginger. Yeah, the ginger man tavern. (laughs) I always thought it was like a G-man. Like when you describe someone as a G-man, they're like an FBI agent. They're like a government man. Like a, that's what I always thought it referred to. Maybe they were like ginger man sounds stupid, but the bartender used to look exactly like John Cusack. And if you'd had a few too many, you'd be like, but seriously, are you John Cusack? (laughs) (laughs) Like, are you?